Epilogue. Emma Veer stood at the end of a pier next to her family's empty slip the same way she had for the past two weeks. The sunset filled the skies with a brilliant red. Her family. It was one thing to live in denial that Elias would one day arrive unannounced, but without her son by her side, she could only stand alone for so long before hope slipped away. Looking over the edge of the clouds below was a dangerous pastime. A waver in balance and she'd make a hasty return to the surface. She shut her mind to the idea, but knew the thought would rear its ugly head again. You'd see them just as soon if you took a couple steps back, old Harley said. This was the third and final round of the day that ended with him checking on her. I know I'd feel a lot better. Emma appreciated that someone still cared. The tapping of old Harley's cane grew closer. The boys made a few extra wind cakes, old Harley said, stopping a few feet short of her. She turned and saw him extending his old lunch pail. Emma faintly smiled and shook her head. At least the energy levels are at their highest in over a decade, he offered. What does that mean? Emma asked. Nobody from the collective will confirm it, but the city council thinks the winnower is broken, old Harley said. And nobody's seen hide nor hair of Bravo Company ever since they left. I don't know what your boy did, but it's a step in the right direction. It's not enough, Harley. I know, he said, but maybe he's not done walking. I don't know how many more sunsets I have left in me, Emma said. The thing about sunsets is, if you wait around long enough, it's a new day. Old Harley said, stepping up alongside Emma. The world keeps turning and we keep on riding. Emma eyed the horizon. More wind merchant vessels had been collecting in the bowl lately, and a few of them looked cruelly similar to the brass fox. I know the cleanup crew is still taking volunteers. If you could use a distraction, I'm sure they... I couldn't focus when I volunteered. They don't want me back. Old Harley sighed. I am sorry, Emma. I truly am, he said. Rass turned out to be a fine man, and I count you responsible for that. At what point do you let go? Emma asked, looking over at old Harley, eyes searching him for an answer. When is it enough? Maybe you'll see them again, old Harley said. Before the winds took my Lana from me, she told me the goodbyes were just for a little while. I'm holding her to that. Emma turned, placing her hand lightly on old Harley's shoulder. Thank you. I think I needed to hear that. She began walking down the pier, leaving old Harley by himself with pail in hand. Emma? Old Harley asked, his voice quietly urgent. What? She looked back at old Harley, then followed the line of his outstretched hand to where it pointed. In the far distance, a white airship descended from high above. A light flickered on and off, repeating a pattern. Is that... The Kingfisher, old Harley said reverently. Other airships diverted their flight paths to watch it, and dockhands began gathering to gawk at the white vessel. What's the message? Emma said. The ship was coming straight for them. It keeps repeating. I'm home, baby. I'm home. Eli? Emma ran back to the edge of the pier, clutching the loose material of her dress as she waited for the white ship to complete its voyage. Over here, old Harley shouted, waving an arm and leaning on his cane. I think word is spreading. He tapped Emma, prompting her to look over her shoulder. A small crowd was amassing behind them. She didn't care as long as they didn't get in her way once the ship landed. The last few minutes before the ship docked felt like an eternity. Old Harley scurried to his usual position to await a rope with which to tie the ship down as the vessel glided into the Veer family slip. Before the Kingfisher came to a complete stop, the main hatch hissed open with a wash of steam. Emma! An almost forgotten voice shouted out from the haze, and a figure leapt out from its midst, landing with a falter next to Emma. She instinctively reached for the man, keeping him upright until her hope became reality. She flung her arms around Elias. I thought I lost you. Elias embraced her tightly, swaying her back and forth. I'm here, baby. I'm here. He bobbled, but caught his balance. Well, most of me. Emma looked down. One of Elias's pant legs was empty. Long story. She looked deep into his eyes. He looked worse for wear, but otherwise just how she last remembered him. How are you? She ran a hand over his cheek. 
The wild's a funny place, he said, then pulled her in for a long, passionate kiss before releasing. Old Harley received a rope from the man wearing a hat, who touched the wide brim in a note of respect toward Emma. She looked back at her husband. Where's Rass? He looked to the horizon. I don't know where he is exactly. Emma threw her arms around him. She felt numb, and hated that she believed such news seemed inevitable as soon as she watched her boy leave the docks. The weight of it was too much. It's all right, baby. I'm sure he's fine. Elias said softly, his breath tickling her ear. I think it's time you spent some time with your family. She pulled away, looking deep into his eyes. What about you? Don't worry, I'm coming. But you'll overload, she said. Not with you. Old Harley secured the rope, then stepped toward them. Sir, are you leaving us again? I'm afraid so, Harley, Elias said with a sad smile. Oh, old Harley asked. If it's not too much to ask, I've... Oh, never mind. What is it? Well, it's just that that's the Kingfisher, old Harley said, gesturing toward the ship, and I've always wanted to meet the captain. He's not on board, but if he'd like to come with us, we're about to go meet up with him. The Kingfisher's landing gear extended, settling down on a patch of soft grass alongside a lazy river. The soft roar of a waterfall played in the distance, mixing with the sound of the ship's ramp lowering. Emma stepped out first, followed by Elias, who appeared to be familiarizing himself with a set of crutches. Old Harley took a bit of convincing from Elias to step out onto the grass. He nervously surveyed his new surroundings. So much for a nap, Dixie mused, pulling her feet off the console of the shuttle. She drowsily pulled a lever, opening the small vessel's hatch. Hey, over here, she called out. Emma peered over at the shuttle, then broke into a run at the sight of the two figures carefully exiting the vehicle. Even with most of his body swathed in thick bandages, Rass was able to lift his left arm to accept his mother's embrace. Hey, Mom, Rass said, his right hand still laced with Callie's. What happened? Emma asked, taking in the sight of her boy. She leaned over to hug Callie next. Rass looked down at his battered body. Just about everything. Do I get a hug? Dixie asked. I did kind of save them both. Emma smiled. I don't know who you are, but... Dixie Piper, she said proudly. People call me Dix, Dix, Pip... Just call her Dixie, Rass said, giving her a lopsided grin. You only get to make a first impression once, Rass. She pulled us away from the time origin, Callie said. I think you two will get along just fine. Yeah, Dixie said, then shot a look at Rass. You're heavy. Elias hobbled forward with old Harley and Deus. Emma slapped his arm. Why didn't you tell me you knew he was alive? She shouted. You didn't ask if he was alive. You asked where he was. Elias said, fighting a smile that Rass presumed would earn him another slap. This place doesn't have a name as far as I know. I was crying, she said. I thought you were happy to see me. Mom, Dad, Rass said, raising his voice and stopping their argument. It's all right. We're here. We're fine. Why didn't you come back to Verdant? Emma asked. We can't, Rass said, looking over to Callie. At least not together. As best we can figure out if Callie and I get close enough, we overload, which I guess for someone with Void means destabilizing a convergence or knocking away concentrated energy. Or normalizing time, Callie said. Right, or that, Rass said. We didn't want to save Verdon just to accidentally knock out our energy reserves as soon as we bumped into each other. And I'd prefer to heal a little before I convinced Daddy that our trip was a good idea, Callie said, prompting a sage-like nod from Elias to Rass. Or tell them that you are over a hundred years old. Rass said. She pursed her lips. For the last time, I'm not 103 years old. I'm 19. I was just born 103 years ago. A confused look played across old Harley's face. I'm gonna need a primer on all this void talk, he said. So where's Hal? Back in the wild, Deus said. He has work to do. Harley, I thought you said you wanted to meet the captain, Elias said. I do. Well, he's right here, Elias said, gesturing to his son. Rass gave a slightly embarrassed grin. Hal thought of it as a prison after all those years, he said. It's mine as long as I don't rename it the Platinum Fox or some other fox. I'm going to need a crew, though. 
It doesn't look like a wind merchant ship, Emma said. It's not. I don't think I'm a wind merchant anymore, Ras said. The winter is gone, and as soon as the rest of Atmo finds out that the Collective has been using Nax to make their fuel, there's going to be an uprising. Callie and I are going to have to clear the ground of convergences before the cities can land safely once they run out of fuel. The Collective has been doing what now? Old Harley exclaimed. We're going to need someone who knows the surface, Elias said, wrapping his arm around his shocked wife. And I can only think of one person I want to guide us. How many crew members are you going to need? Old Harley asked, raising his eyebrows, hopefully. I'm still trying to figure that out, Raz said. Can you think of any candidates? A few, Old Harley said. Not everyone has someone waiting for him back on Verdant, and some of us might jump at the chance to save the world. Save the world, Raz thought. That's a far cry from trolling for twos. Elias put a hand on Ras's shoulder. I'll take Harley and your mother back to Verdant to see who we can find. You kids are going to need your rest. It won't be long before we hit more turbulence. Ras looked back at Callie, who squeezed his hand, prompting a reflexive smile. The girl who dreamed of seeing the world now had to do just that in order to save it, and he would fly her anywhere. I'm ready. This has been The Wind Merchant, written by Ryan Dunlap. Narrated by Ryan Dunlap. Copyright 2012. Production copyright 2014 by Fiction Smith Inc. Thank you for listening.